10. And we're live! Fingers crossed, hopefully, as I knock over the massive thing I've put up to catch the sound. Oh, I tried a new thing there, tried to get the theme to play through, so thank God that that's hopefully worked. Anyway, hello, my name is Matt Mayer, aka Imp, and this is LOP Radio Live on YouTube, and if you're listening in podcast form via Spreaker and all the other podcasts places that I get it sent out to, like uh, iTunes, iHeartRadio, the googly thing, even Spotify, like, we're on everything, we're all out there, I've got it all sorted. But uh, welcome to Imp's LP Radio Adventure, if you're listening in audio form, and today we're doing AEW Full Gear Predictions. Well, well, because it was all capital letters, like, PREDICTIONS! (laughs) Will John Moxley destroy Kenny Omega in their unsanctioned Lights Out match? I mean, I'm just checking, because I just saw myself peek a little bit there, that everything is going fine on multiple things. Because I'm going out on both uh, podcast form and, like, the streaming ver- version on YouTube as well. I've got, like, three windows open, <laughs> just checking everything. So, that's nice and all. I'm also just checking I am playing through on the thingy. Well, I am... Um, am I playing through? Excellent connection. I'm a bit confused. I can't get it to play. Hopefully I am actually streaming. That'll be nice. <laughs> that would be nice, wouldn't it? Just to check I am definitely streaming. I'm a little bit concerned because I'm not seeing it show up on uh, on YouTube. Let me just copy that. That's not working. Right. This is amazing live podcasting and even better if you're doing it on the actual podcasting itself. But because I can't get it to show, I'm just checking I am live. It says I'm live. Is it working? It says it's not working. That's great. Right. <laughs> so if you're listening on podcast, this is brilliant. I'm just going to try one thing. Stream your... Uh, copy that. Hopefully this will work. This is this is great. <laughs> this is like the first technical issue done. It says I'm... St- I'm really confused here. It says I'm streaming, but on YouTube itself I'm not streaming. Uh, <laughs> is this just me? If I put a delay on, it says waiting for me. I'm not connected. Why is it not doing it? I'm a little bit confused. Three waiting. <laughs> so, right, oh. so I'm just going to leave it playing for the podcast while I can do all this and everything. I'm just going to have to try and end the stream on uh, my computer for the that thingy. Oh, that's great. Right, so you're just listening to me trying to get this thing to work because for some reason it's not working. I have no idea why. Copy. Go to Streamlabs. Do that. Oh. Done. Right, I'm going to try going live again, see if it does it. Fingers crossed it does. Right, <laughs> go live. Da-da-da, confirm and go. There we go, going live. Hopefully we're live on YouTube again. For hearing me do this, refresh, just make sure it's doing it. And this is brilliant if you're just tuning in. Or oh, it's not doing it still. <laughs> oh, great. Ah, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Ah. Again, if you're listening on podcast form, this is um, lovely for you. I might just have to ditch the YouTube thing currently because it's not working. I I don't know. Go to YouTube, view my stream. Yes, I'd like to do that, please. 
Is it doing it? No. Ah, <laughs> why is it not doing it? Ah, uh, I've got no idea. Oh, it's doing it now. This is preview. Go like, right. bloody yes, it's finally showed up. Ah. Oh. Hey, I'm finally live. Right, I'm going to play the theme again. <laughs> just to signify the point where the show actually starts that makes it nice and neat. I've just had a load of technical difficulties if you're tuning in on YouTube. So, yeah, just enjoy the picture of me. Uh, actually, yeah, let's go back to the picture of saying waiting. Oh, look at that. Big version of me. Lovely. Right, let's play the theme again. I'll see you in a second, everybody. Ten. Absolutely amazing start. If it is in podcast form, I forgot to turn the uh, theme music on. So isn't that lovely? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely lovely. Ah, Right, so I've just wasted a load of time. So if you're still listening, like credit to you. <laughs> After all of that nonsense. Oh, Jesus Christ. We needed technical difficulties. The movie has become my life. <laughs> Since trying to get everything to work. If you tune into last week's show, I wasn't... like It was full 35 minutes of just trying to get any audio to come through. Uh, this week, I couldn't get the live button to appear. Oh, so This week, it's all done. Everything's working now. It's only taken me like five minutes. That's nothing compared to last week. Thing, therefore, things are getting better. Anyway, oh, I might put a timer on the like YouTube thing and in the podcast description just to say, this is the show actually starts like five minutes in because I'm an idiot, maybe. I'll find out tomorrow once I see what I did. Anyway... Today we are doing AEW Full Gear Predictions. Will John Moxley destroy Kenny Omega in their unsanctioned lights out match? Uh, that's the match I'm going to be talking about first. Uh, we'll just quickly mention AEW Dynamite from this past week. Which, uh, particularly the ending, which led into this pay-per-view with such an incredible amount of high energy. It was bloody fantastic. I loved every single thing about that. Where he was... You had about a million different things all going on at once. Uh, we'll say, if, uh, for my proper views on AW Dynamite, I will be putting out my weekly like 4,000 word mega column on the past week of WWE, NXT and uh, AW. That will be going up on Saturday as normal. Hopefully, fingers crossed, there's a lot going on on Saturday because it's full gear as well. Uh, so that will be going up for my full thoughts on AW Dynamite. They will be there in written form. But long story short, bloody love that ending. Absolutely full of adrenaline and got really hyping up towards full gear this Saturday. And for me, the best thing was there were four matches taking place at full gear that were all intertwined in, in that inter... Oh, I've forgotten the word I was going to say. <laughs> in that kind of inter-brawl that happened, interfeuding inter-brawl. It was going just so many feuds in that with the Elite versus Inner Circle and you know, with Moxie thrown in there as well. I thought it was fantastic. Cody Rhodes promo as well. Like That's the type of thing which is really going to build up the legacy of AEW. So, such a, an amazing promo. And Chris Jericho with his piss take of the Cody 
like pre-recorded uh, video of like the, all the different people talking about him, about Cody and about what happens to his mental state when he enters a big title match like this and it's got the sad piano music playing and then Cody does as then Jericho does the same thing but it's all about champagne and like and the bubbly because he's le champion. <laughs> so it's fantastic. I loved it. Uh, but yeah, so the built really, really well. But if you want my full thoughts on it, then go to uh, lawsofpain.net and you'll see my column posted on Saturday. Uh, also, every Saturday, if you want another, we've had two columns every, like every single Saturday. One posted in a more timely fashion because he's in America in the long, long staying. That's that's kind of underselling him a bit. The extremely popular veteran of Laws of Pain, uh, Mr. Tito, has been getting up a column. He's the, the the new wrestling world has sucked him back in, so he has been putting a column out in a more timely fashion after SmackDown. So if you want to get a column a lot earlier, uh, Tito's been able to do that because he's American. I'm asleep when SmackDown airs. I can't write the column. I can't finish the column until I've watched SmackDown. So it's not getting posted until like Saturday afternoon. Yeah. And of course, for me, just also in terms of that, <laughs> it's going to be a little bit later possibly on Saturday purely because... Uh, it is for I live in Nottingham, UK. Tomorrow is a massive football or soccer uh, derby that's taking place of Nottingham Forest versus Derby County. It's, it's on television as well. Millions of people will be watching it. Uh, it's packed like twenty thousand. No, a packed. I'm trying to think how much they sell for the tickets, but it might be twenty four thousand people will be watching that game live. I've been to it multiple times in the past. It's it's awesome to be in that kind of atmosphere. But that is taking place on Saturday. I'm going to be watching that match. <laughs> so I'm going to, the column's going to go up a little bit later. Uh, not that you care about football. The thing that you probably care a little bit more about is on Saturday live after AW Full Gear, myself and Jan Man, and I think Jeff from Kingdom of Honor and from also from after Dynamite after Dark. I said after beforehand. It made me stutter. That's the end of that. Uh, we'll be going live immediately after AW Full Gear for. A trio of madness. <laughs> when I say trio of madness, it's a very, very tired imp at 5am and Jan and Jeff doing their best at like midnight. It's <laughs> very, very interesting. But yes, we'll be live here. I'm trying to go out on here. As I just said, for me, it will be about 5am. So my mental state may not be at its best. I've struggled to get this working like now <laughs> when I'm not tired. <laughs> so it's currently midnight for me. But for me, this is I'm used to this. I do this most weeks, so... I'm not tired at this point. 5am though, yeah, I'm gone. So we'll see. I'll try and get it done on YouTube, but we'll, we'll definitely be going out on podcast form because that's piss easy. That's nice and simple. Away goes the monetization. <laughs> I forgot. My Britishness is not allowed to seep through on YouTube, which is going to take a little bit of getting used to. Because uh, if you've never listened to my show before YouTube, yeah, I often say the swear words. <laughs> it's just part. It's part of our British vocabulary. You've watched Game of Thrones. It just comes natural to us. Uh, anyway, that's a huge tangent. I've plugged everything. I've plugged full gear. I've plugged my column. So I've plugged Dynamite After Dark. That's all linked to AW. I can finally bang on with the bleeding column. The column, bloody show. So much going on. <laughs> uh, I've not even had time to watch NXT. That's my job tomorrow. You know, aside from my you know actual job, <laughs> that brings in money. For this, I've also somehow got to watch NXT to get that in the column, so I forgot how that works. This is, I've got off on a major tangent. <laughs> Just forget, oh, it doesn't matter. The unsanctioned lights out match. So I've not put this one first because, oh, it's definitely going to be the main event. It makes sense that it will be the main event, given that it's an unsanctioned match and that the AEW Championship can be the official end of the show. But in terms of the, you know, 
actual end of the show, it's going to be the Inter-Sanction Lights Out match. Well, I'm not saying it because I know there have been reports, but I'm not going to like 100% say it. It's just because I put it in the title. So <laughs> it's like, will he destroy Omega? Might as well start with that one. So, with a one win... Uh, uh, oh yeah, whenever I read out records tonight, because I've got records for every single competitor, because I'm nice and organised like that, uh, it'll be in relation to the match type that they're in. So tag records for tag matches, singles records for singles matches. Pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, probably didn't need explaining. <laughs> so, uh, with... so Also, I've put the records for John Moxley, Kenny Omega. It's unsanctioned. The important part with this is that unsanctioned matches do not count towards the record. And John Moxley did an amazing promo on that where he's like ready to beat Kenny Omega, then the match becomes this. And John Moxley cuts a scathing promo on AEW that they don't want it going on the record that John Moxley beats Kenny Omega. But it's quite a clever way. Because if, if John Moxley does beat Kenny Omega, and that is what I'm expecting, it continues Kenny Omega's arc of just like that pressure of... Hold, he In his head, he's holding AEW on his shoulders... He is the super popular wrestler that a lot of this has happened because of. And he's, he's feeling that pressure. He's not performing. It's getting to his head. But he can also lose in an unsanctioned match and it doesn't affect his record. And of course, when you're looking at it, you can see John Botsy on television could probably use the momentum from winning this one to ramp himself up to then get a title match. Because he's, he's come across as such a massive star, John Botsy. He's such an amazing... Uh, when he walks into a arena, like it's one of those people where the atmosphere completely changes. It just brings a, an incredible amount of energy and just adrenaline fueled segments whenever he's on. And I love the way that they always, whenever he walks into a arena, they have the camera behind him, kind of walking with him. So like, oh, I love that. <laughs> it's just a lot of thought goes into the uh, production of it, and it's uh, good to see. But yeah, so John Moxley with a. One win and one draw record. Uh, Kenny Omega with two wins, two losses. Both of them have won an unsanctioned match as well. Both beating Joe Janela. And now they face each other. So yeah, they put up to it. With uh, I loved how going into... Um, What's it called? All Out. They had John... Mo- yeah, they were talking about... Because of course John Moxley got his injury. And Kenny Omega cut a fantastic... like Obviously almost in the moment promo on John Moxley... Just saying that you wanted to go and live in Kenny Omega's world. Go and see what it was like to be Kenny Omega. Talking about John Moxley going to Japan, uh, New Japan for wrestling and competing in the G1 Climax. And putting on a really good show as well. So he got to live the life of Kenny Omega. But in the process, maybe it was just too much and his body broke down. His body gave in. John Moxley had to have a surgery on his elbow and wasn't able to do the match with Kenny Omega. Bright side is, we get this match here, and it's built up to this. So, I think I prefer it the other way it is. And of course, uh, on television, then we got Kenny Omega going into John Moxley's world, having an unsanctioned match against Joe Janela, wrestling John Moxley's style of match in John Moxley's world. Uh, so, oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> and since then, every single week, John Moxley or Kenny Omega has come out with weapons, but something has happened every single time to stop those weapons being used. Now, finally, at full gear, there is nothing to stop them. How, I don't I have no idea how crazy they're going to go, especially that uh, this is like the main event of the first pay-per-view. What are they going to do? <laughs> it's like John Moxley's very first match, he got the thumbtacks, he got... Well, I think it, uh, the first spot that came to mind was Joe Janela with the thumbtacks into the feet. It's just like, oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> uh, 
But there were the, the like awesome spots that you kind of expect in this sort of match. Like again, the Janela jump from the uh, ladder in the ring to a load of tables outside, which a visual always looks amazing. Uh, Kenny Omega also had an absolutely brutal match with Joe Janela, which was like again fantastic. Uh, to be fair, Kenny Omega versus Janela in a normal match was also pretty brutal. <laughs> Never mind when it was unsanctioned. The question I've kind of got is, how violent is this going to get? Oh, by the way, I've kind of already answered in terms of predictions. I'm going with John Moxley. That is my just immediate thought of it being unsanctioned, it being in John Moxley's thing uh, house, and him kind of complaining they're cornering him. He can beat Kenny Omega. I've, I've got nothing kind of. <laughs> there's no cons to him winning for me. Sorry, yeah, I can't think of anything bad about him winning because Kenny Omega, long term is going to get to that main event scene. There's no need to rush him. You can build people around him. You can use his mental struggle to give other wrestlers a win over him. And this is a perfect example of that. Uh, And, of course, another perfect example of they can do that without it affecting his record. It's just like, obviously, momentum-wise, it it doesn't particularly help. (laughs) But in terms of actual actually affecting his record, which long-term is going to be a thing. Again, we don't know how the records are definitely going to work long-term, but... This match not being on there and it giving John Motsley a win. Yeah, it's it's win-win for me. <laughs> There's no, like, no issues with it at all. So John Motsley winning, 100% for me. He's not even in doubt <laughs> in my head that that's, that's what's going to happen. Which makes me think, because it's AEW, that they might find a way for Kenny Omega, for this to be the match when Kenny Omega snaps back. I don't see that. There is going to be that match, or at least that month where it happens. I just don't think it's this one. It is going to happen, just not now. Uh, I don't know how violent it's going to get, because they've got the teased violence, but they don't want to go too crazy. I don't know if Fighter Fest was a testing of the waters for how far to go, or if that was the like a slightly over-the-top return for John Moxley just doing random stuff he wanted to do. I've no idea how far this match will go. Because, of course... It's it's weird because you don't want because of on a stage like this there hasn't been a kind of really violent match for quite some time, and I'm not sure how the audience would take it. Like the, the ECW kind of bred audience from like 15 years ago would eat this kind of match up and would love it. The more blood, the better. That's not the kind of audience we are anymore. And yes, the audiences can change and we can become used to that style again. But currently, we're not, and I kind of feel like it might be better to kind of drip feed that style like slowly work it back in if you're going to do it rather than bang here's full on hardcore wrestling <laughs> aren't we crazy it's like yeah yeah <laughs> you can push you got uh, Joe Dinella and Jimmy Havoc you've got the people to push it in nice and slowly and of course you've got John Moxley who's the purveyor of violence they call himself so yeah but yeah I don't I see this match as, again, even though Kenny Omega's kind of dabbled in the world of John Moxley, this is still John Moxley's world. It's the perfect place to have him win and for Kenny Omega's struggle to reach a new peak. So, yeah. Not only much more to say about this one. I've really, really enjoyed it. Really, for every single match, apart from a couple, the builds have been, like, perfect for me. Absolutely fantastic. If not absolutely fantastic in terms of, I guess, booking, if you write it down week to week, you go, oh, that's brilliant, that is. At least it's been they've been entertaining to watch. And the way that John Moxley and Kenny Omega's rivalry has ramped up every single week and now we're at a point where, again, they've got the barbed wire baseball bats. They just haven't used them. 
and they've teased them for multiple weeks and never got around to using them because either Brawl broke out or Pack attacked them from behind. Or this uh, Finally, they're going to get those weapons out and use them. To what end, though? I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm really excited to see what happens with that one. So, yeah, it's another I don't know how far they'll push the boundaries, but in terms of actual anticipation, they've built it up really well. And of course, it's a dream match. It's the Shield versus Bullet Club, the Cleaner versus uh, was it Lunatic Fringe. I don't know why I forgot that. They said it for so many years. <laughs> Just, yeah, the two guys we never, like, three years ago, it's the idea of this match would have been mental. But now it's, it, yeah, we're, cut, we're getting a dream match. And I kind of need to not forget that. I'm looking at the story, which I think has been done really, really well. I'm looking at how well it's built. They've built the anticipation for it. I'm really looking forward to it. You've got the arcs of both men. You've got how they are going into the match as well. I'm analysing all that. But at the end of the day, it's a dream match between John Moxley and Kenny Omega. And as a fan, I'm automatically excited. Like, no matter what, how they do it, in a way, is like, it's, this would be one of those where even if it's in WWE and maybe the story wasn't that great, this is one of those matches you would 100% still be looking forward to. Purely because it's like, it's John Moxley, Kenny Omega. Like, like with Ricochet, AJ Styles. Like, I don't really care about the build. It helps if the build's really, really good like it has been. But at the end of the day, they're going to have an amazing match. <laughs> so I'm not really that fussed. <laughs> it wouldn't have broken me if the build wasn't as hot as it was. Just because it's a dream match, you can get excited for that. Like John Cena and Roman Reigns, there was a little bit of disappointment in the way that they did that build, where it was kind of split 50-50 or people liked it or not. I personally thought it was fine. But you go on Twitter, you saw quite a few people split on what they thought of the way they did that build. However, come the match, it's John Cena and Roman Reigns. It's a massive match. So it kind of like it didn't really hurt it that bad that the build wasn't 100% amazing. This one, I've loved the build, and it's still got that dream match feel. I'm really, really excited. <laughs> if you couldn't tell why I'm saying it like that three times. Right, let's move on to the next match, which had arguably the best build this week. The AEW World Championship match. Chris Jericho's second defence. Uh, Cody Rhodes comes in as challenger with a three wins, zero losses, and one draw record. Chris Jericho comes in with a three wins and zero losses. And, of course, their only singles records. Uh, both guys have got more in tag teams. I think Jericho's on, like, four or five, if you include the tag team matches as well. He's undefeated, which is... Uh, they built him up really, really well. They built up the inner circle fantastically. We've already talked about how amazing that Cody Rhodes promo was. Like, really? Just, you have to go see it. The emotion that he put into it, I thought, was absolutely fantastic. The... Way the way that the crowd were reacting at all the perfect points kind of tells you that Cody Rhodes was hitting all the right notes. It's, a, it's just it's such a fantastic promo, and it wasn't that long, really, like three, four minutes, and he bashed through everything, and he he hit all he hit all the right notes, and whenever he took a slight kind of detour, he always immediately brought it back to Chris Jericho, and oh yeah, and especially with the main message of like. You had the exact, you had pretty, pretty much the exact same upbringing, the exact same silver spoon upbringing that I did, you dick. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, yeah, that was absolutely great. As I then realised, I've, I've said the naughty word again. <laughs> so goodbye monetization. I'll figure it. I'll stop eventually. <laughs> eventually, I'll learn. Uh, but yeah, uh, fantastic build so far. 
But it did lead to the next stipulations. So it was announced, I want to say last week, that three judges will be available as a tiebreaker if the match goes beyond the 60-minute time limit. So it's a like a main event World Championship match. So they get into 60 minutes. And I don't know if, I don't know if all the championship matches kind of get 60 by default, but if they're going like New Japan, then the main event gets 60, everything else gets 30. And sometimes change it to like for maybe like that's two or three get 60, just to make them feel like a massive like three main events kind of style. But yeah, more or less, main event 60, the rest will get 30, earlier cards 15. As in, Joe Nana, Sean Spears, that's not getting 30. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't feel like it should get 30, so that's why I'm assuming it won't. But that's a kind of example. Earlier card gets a lot less time, and then later on you build a build a build up. Uh, but the three judges, I think, were going to be quite well-known wrestlers as well, so you get a pop for announcing them. Uh, you saw a few responses immediately. So I like to kind of see what the response is to a, a new announcement like this, because it's something that we haven't seen for quite a while. Like, this is an old, I want to say NWA, unless it's WCW idea, or WCCW, if it's that old. But there's the idea of the three judges in case it goes to the 60. Uh, and you saw the response of, oh, well, now, now it's obviously going to 60 from a few people. Uh, then you saw others kind of more in the camp that I'm in, where it's like, well, all because they've announced it doesn't mean they're going to use it. To, you get the question of, well, why would they announce it if they're not going to use it? So this is where the kind of, we're living in a wrestling world where WWE have had a monopoly and essentially been able to define what storytelling is. They've defined what wrestling is. Now, AW coming in, they're a different kind of storyteller. And when you've only had one kind of storyteller, you forget what storytelling can be, like how different it can actually be from how they tell them. So this is one of those examples. Not not just the judges thing, but the way I'm expecting them to be used. They've announced this. It's going to happen on a... Is it gonna, yeah, it's going to happen on the pay-per-view, and we're going to get the three judges there, but I don't expect them to be used immediately. Now, in the world of WWE, we've become used to, if something like this is announced, why would you... Why would you show the Chekhov's gun if you're not going to fire it? And if you're not going to immediately fire it in the case of WWE. And that's not the feeling I'm getting here. As it, Obviously, I will be proven 100% wrong if it's if that's what happens. It goes 60, we get the tiebreaker. Like, that would that immediately changes <laughs> like my entire little thing I'm doing here. But what I'm expecting is to kind of fit the kind of vibe I'm getting from AEW. Things get set up. But they, like, the gun will be set up, you'll see the Chekhov's gun, but it won't be immediately fired. You'll know it's there, you'll let it build, and then maybe five, six matches down the line, that's when you'll get the judges' judges vote? No. <laughs> it's not like a pop idol or whatever. American idol, that's what it's called in America. It was pop idol over here, in the early noughties. I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> oh, don't, don't, my brain's like, go on Matt, say one of the singers. Like, no, <laughs> why would it, no, <laughs> I'm already, I need to bring it back. But yeah, so the, yeah, the judges will be there. I'm not expecting them to be used. However, the other massive thing that is there, if Cody loses, he will never challenge for the title again, which was the main point of his promo. That was the thing, that was the driving force behind all of the emotion, was he was saying that. And the reasoning being, and I, kind of, I liked the way they used the reasoning, because they used real-life criticism to give, a, to give substance to what he was saying. So Cody Rhodes dropped names like, I want to say it was Bill Watts, I don't know if that's right or not, and uh, his dad Dusty as well. He dropped one more, but my brain's turning off at half past midnight. 
So he dropped those names uh, who are legendary wrestlers. But the point he was making is they weren't just wrestlers. They were also management. And that's what he is. And he's heard all of heard what people are saying. He's heard the criticism. Like the only reason he's getting this championship match is because he's management. It's because that the elite are in charge. That's the only reason he's getting it. So he's said, with him in that position, he has said that if he loses, he won't challenge for the championship again. He's saying that as a wrestler who is also management. Like he will not. If he loses, he will step aside. He will not go for the tag championship again and again. This is it. If he loses, he's not going to challenge again. That does... Because it's management, it does still leave the door open for things. Like, obviously, if if it's within three months and he's challenging again, that's a bit... eh. But, like, if it's years down the line, yeah, there isn't really much of an issue with that. Suddenly need to take a drink of water. Mm. This is why it's good to have a guest on. (laughs) Because I can just... Actually, stop and have a drink. Uh, as I also get a eyelash in my eye. Brilliant timing. This, this show's gone amazingly. <laughs> oh, weirdly, better than the technical difficulties of last week, but my, my body's still letting me down. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so because he is mad... I oh, know, I was talking about... I, I was midway through a point, but I'm just going to have to drop it. Because <laughs> again, the eyelash, Jesus Christ. Yeah, so... <laughs> just so you know my eye is now watering so if this was one of the shows in the future where I had a camera you would see my right eye watering so I can't read my notes <laughs> that's great uh, so yes he will never challenge for the championship again and it's because specifically he is management and he has seen the criticism so that is why like even when, even on posts on Twitter because again I like to go through and see a like the wide range of opinions so I don't know what I know a lot of people try to curate the feed so they stop seeing negative posts uh, I kind of agree with that uh, but also I do like to see like a wide breadth of opinions so I, I purposely follow sometimes I don't even realise I don't realise I'm not following certain people because they're on my timeline all the time but there's a few um, it's, it's more it's more than one there's definitely a few uh, pro NXT accounts it's like three or four that I've become used to seeing on my timeline and I've not followed them but they're on my timeline like all the time <laughs> so it's kind of like yeah I see the opinions and yeah I like seeing the wide range of opinions, even if I don't agree with them. Because that, for me, it's like a check of, do I believe what I think I believe when I see those kind of posts and I see their like, explanations as to why they think things. But with uh, Cody and the like, wide range of this, there's uh, some say some on board with it, really, really enjoying it. You saw some takes on it where they clearly hadn't seen the entire thing, so you kind of have to scrap those takes like personally. Uh, then you got those who did see it, and had a completely found on the different side of the fence for me. So, of course, Cody's reasoning is that because he is management, he's not going to keep going for the title. Like this is it if he loses this one, putting like a lot of pressure on. If there was, if this were WWE, Cody's winning, or at least there's something so he doesn't lose. However, be, because they're trying to again make certain statements with these first shows and the way they're building stories. That's more why I'm expecting Cody Rhodes to lose. Like they've built up emotion really, really well. He feels like an absolutely like a mega star of a babyface. Like almost impossible not to cheer for. However, because they're purposefully trying to be a bit different from WWE, I expect Cody to lose. Like that's the kind of story we're not used to seeing with WWE, especially because it's got such an ultimatum. But again, I'm not saying it's bad storytelling. I'm just saying it's different in WWE. 
Cody Rhodes would either be winning or it's a draw or there's interference or something, so Cody doesn't directly lose, therefore he could challenge again. But because this is AEW, and because they're specifically trying to be different, uh, in their eyes I would be better, but I'm more judging it on being different. For me, Cody's losing. They have a they built up this amazing babyface, and now they want to give him an ama- like an amazingly I guess heartbreaking emotional moment, which again, long term should make you cheer for him that a little bit more, get even more behind him. So like for me, it's crazy to see how incredibly over a babyface Cody Rhodes is, where like a year and a half ago, he was the most hated man in New Japan, <laughs> like New Japan Ring of Honor, with his uh, the Bullet Club is fine angle against Kenny Omega. It's like wow, it's like a year and a half later, and the the like the the kind of quote I always keep going back to was like in one of the being the elites where Cody they were just talking about like the upcoming season two of being the elite, and Cody was just asking like, could I be like, could it be a bit more likable this time <laughs> and then of course you see where he's at now it's like yeah they did it they turned him from the most hated man to the most loved man it's like oh well it kind of feeds into the undesirable to ungoddamn deniable it plays into that as well like in the kayfabe world as well as in the like wider story of uh, like he's undeniably a top guy now kind of uh, narrative as well but yeah that's why I'm, there's, a, there's multiple reasons why I'm expecting this to go certain ways but I am expect I'm going to go with Chris Jericho. He keeps his championship for quite a long time because that's what I'd want to do, especially if they are like they really are like um, putting forward that foot of telling much longer stories uh, and giving t- things time to flesh out. But the perfect way to give an example of that is for Chris Jericho to hold that first championship for quite a long time, and for Cody to lose, which means he won't be challenging for that championship for quite a long time. And by that, I would want it to be years, like two to three minimum. We don't know, like, what could he, could he challenge via a tournament, for example? Now, if he wins that, or whatever random things, or if somebody chooses him as the challenger, would he accept then? <laughs> I'm not really sure. But it gives, it gives options for, like, different challenges as well, and Cody Rhodes can move on. So, that's what I'm expecting. Quite, uh, yeah, again, again I'm... Excited for this one because of how well they built up the story. I'm expecting this to be the full like bells and whistles, all sorts of uh, shenanigans going on in it. Maybe, maybe a fair bit of interference, maybe a little bit of blood as well. Uh, I can say a little bit of the bubbly, but no, save that for after Chris. <laughs> he did a whole thing after. You do put a video on YouTube afterwards of you in the inner circle trawling different bars looking for bubbly. Because I would watch that. <laughs> we watched the hell out of that. <laughs> but yeah, so Cody, <coughs> Cody's not winning. That's, yeah, that's my thought. They've introduced Chekhov's gun to build the tension of it being there not to fire it. Because again, it's a different style of storytelling than the one we are used to. So, if the, it, to answer the question of why would they introduce it if they're not going to fire it, it's like, well, it's to build up the tension of the fact that it, it could be fired rather than just we've introduced it to use it. A different style of storytelling. And it kind of, once we see it play out, it'll maybe make a bit of sense. Uh, that's why I don't feel like it's... Because on the, on the comments... That's the point I was making earlier. On the comments of uh, the video of like Cody making that announcement that he wouldn't challenge, there were still things of, oh, he's, he's, still, he's only got the championship because he's a member of the Elite. It's like, they've directly addressed this in the story. And it's a type of listening to the fans of putting it in the story that WWE sometimes do, and I like to credit them for it when they do it. I've labelled WWE as quite good at the course correction. Like Their initial story often isn't to my tastes <laughs> to put it bluntly 
But they course correct really well, more often than not. So like, the, like Becky Lynch, with Becky Lynch, like the way the narrative they wanted to tell would over time slowly st- stop us cheering for her. They kept her as a heel and didn't really budge from that. And she, every single week she came out saying that you fans suck. Like just the generic heel promo kind of thing. That she would have been relatively over because it was a great character, but it what? But they listened to the fans, made an adjustment, and what actually became the man was like way beyond anything they probably would have had planned. With this Cody Rhodes thing, listening to the fans and playing off of that, it's like, oh yes, it's fantastic. Like obviously he's listening to the fans and they see that you see those comments of the only reason he's got this is because he's a member of the elite. Whilst my immediate reaction is, well, yes, of course, the elite. With this, because I've also seen a few criticisms of, uh, I wish they would build other people. It's like, but this is their very first pay per view. They've been on television what five weeks, and the elite are your initial draws. They are the biggest reason that people are going to those buildings. Like people like Cody Rhodes and Kenny Omega. You got Chris Jericho, obviously the other well-known name, but the elite are like one of the. They are the biggest reason AEW exists. It's all elite wrestling. It is them. So to not feature your most popular wrestler because their management, like especially with the first pay per view where you've not had as much time to build up your stars with lots of investment, so you're really into those characters, you've not had that time. So obviously you pick your most popular wrestlers. So to the to the kind of criticism of he's only in the main event because he's the elite. That's exactly why he's in the main event. <laughs> That's exactly why. He's the, the elite are their biggest draws. Why would you not have them in the main event? It's a serious question. Like, if that is your criticism, why would you purposefully not have your biggest draws in the main event? I don't understand it. <laughs> it's, it's a criticism I don't get. Long term, yes, I agree. It would make sense to build the people around him. But this isn't long term. This is short. And, then, and they are kind of going out their way to tell long term stories which is going to take time for you to get as invested in these other wrestlers. It's working. Like John Moxley's become white hot super quick because he's got his WWE fame, which helps with that. Same with Pac, same with Chris Jericho. So those guys are towards the top a lot quicker. But you saw it when they tried it with Hammond Page. It didn't quite work. Obviously, the method wasn't exactly the best for that one. Like Immediate criticism was, I, I don't really like the Casino Battle Royals, especially for crowning number one contenders for World Championship matches. Personally, not my thing. But, yeah, the elite are your biggest draws. You've got Kenny Omega, like one, the elite's biggest draw end of, versus John Moxley, who's the megastar come over from WWE. Like, that match, 100% makes sense. It's going on last, yeah, it's fine. The other world championship, you've got your other big guy coming from WWE versus the elite's other biggest draw in terms of, like, the hierarchy on the ladder. And, yeah, that criticism... For me, the answer to the criticism like, is exactly what they're saying, just in a completely different tone. <laughs> just like, it's a bit like deflecting the question back at them, which can sometimes make you sound a bit like a prick. But like, for that, that's kind of the point I'm making. It's like, yeah, the elite are the most popular. That is exactly why he's in the main event. Like, There's no other reason. <laughs> the elite are popular. Cody Rhodes is one of those guys. So yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't understand using that as a negative because that is exactly the reason why. Unless you're, uh, uh, I don't know what you're doing because obviously I'm not you. I can't think like you. <laughs> I don't have superpowers like that. All right, so let's move on to the next match. 
with the Lucha Bros versus Private Party versus SoCal Uncensored. I'm going through the uh, championship matches first. The uh, triple threat for the AW World Tag Team Titles. So we had Lucha Bros versus SCU over in the tag team tournament. Uh, that was the final, and so SCU won with a like surprise roll up. I wasn't a massive fan with how that uh, final match was presented. It felt like it was their first like issue of TV timing, where the main event they weren't able to do the entrances. At least they were able to do the announcements for the tournament. But yeah, in terms of building atmosphere for a tournament final, you really got to have those entrances because it adds to, it adds to everything. And AW been so good at doing that sort of thing that. It did. It made the whole presentation feel rushed, and the match itself was also. Or it had that sense of being rushed about it. So I'm really looking forward to that. But those kind of matches being able to flesh out on pay per view. But I do. It, I do. Well, small criticism is it's a bit a bit close after the final. So it feels like a rematch for the Lucha Brothers, just because it's so damn close. When the actual idea is you've got you've given out medals for the tournament, and you've got your gold. Gold medal winners with SCU who were wearing them. Uh, same with the Lucha Bros with their silver medals for finishing second. And on uh, Dynamite this week, we had the match to decide the bronze medalists, Private Party versus the Dark Order. And Private Party won. Meaning that we're getting all three medalists in a triple threat tag team match. That I do like. Because again, it is taking like the, the type of thing you do see in real life sports with the, giving the medals for a tournament. Like in the World Cup, for example. You do you get that third place match? It's like yeah, it's not the it's not the ultimate biggest draw, but it is an interesting match to watch. And then there's actually a reason for winning it as well. More reason in AW than there was in the actual World Cup because they don't get added to a second final or <laughs> something like that. But it is it, it, it's something I like. It's not been done before, and I yeah I enjoyed it. It set up this triple threat match. It made it a different match than just a rematch. So I'm good with that. But records-wise, just realising I've not got Private Party's record. So, oh well. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, the Lucha Brothers record is four wins and two losses. Uh, SEU have got three wins and two losses. I think that is losses, yeah. yeah. It's with the three, three numbers sometimes uh, does mean a little bit. So, who am I expecting to win? SCU, they're not... Again, AW building up these uh, like long-running arcs. This first pay-per-view is just like the start, so I'm not expecting any championships to change hand, but I am expecting maybe things to continue to launch. Like the uh, the tag team tournament for the tag team scene, gave it loads of great matches, and we had a, a high-tempo final, but it didn't really start to kick off those long-term stories. Like, we got a tournament arc with the Lucha Brothers versus SCU. Now, long-term, what happens? And I feel like Full Gear might... It's either going to be the first one in kind of kickstarting something or it's going to be like the like the final hurrah for the tag team tournament and just have the three medalists have an awesome match together then on television you can kickstart something I don't know I'm going with SCU to win Private Party to look awesome in terms of they are in there with two veteran teams Private Party are in there to be elevated rather than to actually win and the Lucha Bros are in there to steal the show <laughs> but not actually win because I, I absolutely love the Lucha Brothers. I think they're amazing. I became massive fans of them after watching Lucha Underground. So I'm well aware of them. Pentag- I was one of those guys who was holding Pentagon Jr. as like a super, like a future main event megastar. And it can still happen in AEW. It's obviously just in the tag team tournament uh, world itself. Uh, Phoenix, Ray Phoenix, he is... He, he, he impresses me more and more. Because 
I've been watching him for like three, four years now, and still he does things I have never seen before. Like he's in, yeah, he's incredible. <laughs> it's like, he's another guy where I always saw Pentagon Junior as that level above because because of his like dark his work as a dark character, or like his spooky, spooky, creepy walk thing, <laughs> which I do quite like. Like he's just got a he, Pentagon Junior's got this charisma about him. There's something extra. He's got that X factor. Uh, Ray Phoenix is absolutely fantastic once the bell rings. So he could be your incredible. Uh, who was in like Ricky Steamboat or who was some whoever was in the mid card? Uh, I can't remember. I can't think. My brain's turning off. But yeah, that guy in the mid card who would absolutely steal the show in terms of in the in ring kind of area. Like he can lock that down, Ray Phoenix. You can maybe elevate him a bit later. But I that's what I'd personally do is if they do split. Now you're building the tag team kind of scene. There's no need to do that anywhere near this time because they're still establishing the rest of the card. Like, there's no need to split Lucha Bros yet. Just use them to help continue elevate the tag teams. But in the future, I can easily see Pentagon Junior going immediately to the main event and Ray Phoenix going to a mid card. Maybe he could be used to establish that new championship. I feel like he'll fit really, really well in that area and become super popular to then jump up. Either way. Lucha Bros aren't winning <laughs> in this one just to bring it back uh, SCU for me are easily retaining and this could be match of the night in terms of just pure high energy and you know, just pure enjoyment from start to finish with absolutely no breath with the best high flying spots as well Like this is the match that I'm predicting that for the ultimate high energy it might kick off the show just because of how fantastic it would be in that kind of area I don't know if they want to slowly build the card or if they want to have all the championship matches kind of at the butt end of the show, as it's like kind of builds that way to if because they are echoing New Japan quite a lot, that's what they do. So you have your kind of perfectly fine matches earlier on, which are building things, but the not championship matches they all come much later. We'll see, but there's not really much more to say about this because it's it's more the actual in ring product that will speak than for real any stories or anything I can talk about. But yeah, SEU they're going to move to four and two which will mean they have the same record as Lucha Pro, so I don't know what happens there. I will say that because of the tournament, you haven't really got a proper hierarchy in terms of who challenges next. Maybe it depends on who gets pinned in this match. Maybe the team that doesn't get pinned gets another chance, but wouldn't really want SEE versus Lucha Bros again, even though I'm expecting that pairing to deliver like endlessly over the next year. I would, wouldn't want to do it immediately next. So I don't know who could challenge next. Like maybe is Luchasaurus going to be back from injury soon? Because maybe he could like jump in, uh, and then he got those to challenge as an awesome babyface challengers, or let's say face the uh, Lucha Bros. I don't know. <laughs> Either way, this tournament has set up initially a really strong high standard for the division. Uh, and oh no, I'm an idiot. There's the Young Bucks and Santana Ortiz. I can't remember what Santana Ortiz. It's like pride and power. Something like that, but I'd think of Pride of Prejudice whenever I see that name. So, no, Santana and Ortiz, or LAX. <laughs> Just, their new name is not crept in. I can call them Pride and Prejudice, <laughs> but that kind of destroys the, uh, destroys the actual aura of the building. Uh, kind of funny to call such a like chaos-causing team, just Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> Just such clashing visuals. Uh, but yeah, tag team scene. Being built up really well, this is kind of the next step. Have an awesome match on pay-per-view then move to whatever. Maybe Santana Ortiz versus Young Bucks could be the one that kind of stirs that pot. Yeah, but I'll get to that one later in my stuff about Inner Circle versus Elite. Uh, 
Final championship match of the evening. Uh, AEW Women's World Championship match. I don't know why I struggled with that one. Uh, Emi Sakura, a.k.a. Not Freddie Mercury, versus Rio. Uh, Emi Sakura has a 1-0 and zero singles record. Uh, Rio, 4-0. and zero. Rio has been booked really, really strong. And the thing that's really uh, surprised me a little bit is how well the booking has worked for Rio. Like, she's getting really good reactions every single week now. And I would have thought, for some reason, in my head, I'm like, well, she's a Joshi wrestler, she's quite young, she's quite petite, she might struggle to get over uh, with the AW crowds. But no, like, they are incredibly behind her. It's like, yeah. Because <laughs> obviously all the Joshi women are fantastic wrestlers. It's just, of course, with WWE's presentation, and that's the kind of world we're used to. For some reason, I thought they, they that these uh, Joshi women might struggle at first and then we'll come to love them. But no, we already love them. <laughs> like he is getting amazing reactions already from the uh, thousands that are going to the AEW recordings so that is great to see uh, she's not losing here so again the championship is reta- these first ones are really easy to predict for me the champions are retaining like end of I don't really see any other world <laughs> any any other cir- circumstance kind of coming from this uh, this is to build up Rio and not ignoring the story that Emi Sakura trained Rio so this is Master versus student, and assumably it's the moment where the student does beat the master. Uh, this week they had Emi Sakura pin Rio in a tag team match. Not a massive fan of the challenger beats the champion to make make you go, oh well, the challenger can beat the champion. Tune in on Sunday to whether to, tune in on the pay per view to see whether they actually do it in the title match. Most cases that doesn't happen, <laughs> so it's, it kind of adds an eye of predictability. But because they haven't really built directly Emi Sakura versus Riho. Like, they have talked about how Sakura ha- has trained Rio in other tag matches, but it never felt like they were building to this match. Like, the, and the moment, like, the only match that I felt like they were definitely building to was Britt Baker versus B Priestley. Like, but this is the one that's on paper because obviously because Rio's champion. And in terms of which challenger does Riho have the most history with, well, you've just done a Nyla Rose there isn't really anyone else. So I guess Emi Sakura, she's got a actual history with her before AEW, so why not use that? Well, and also Emi Sakura's a veteran wrestler, so why not use her to put over Riho? So yeah. Joshi wrestlers are really, really good. Obviously the Freddie Mercury thing seems to be divisive because it's about a tad too out there for Western audiences. It's the type of thing that'll be perfectly fine in Japan, like get over really well in Japan. But in the West, we're, we find it's a bit... The audiences haven't taken to it, <laughs> essentially. But again, they're leaning into that with her being on the heel side of the teams, and I'm assuming she'll play that role here. But it's more the story of the master versus student and the student winning. She's winning. Rio's winning. <laughs> End of. Right. I'm going to take a quick sip of water. Then when I come, then when I come back, it's time for the four matches, which are championship matches, just to close out the show. I've already gone 50 minutes. I thought, this, given how knackered I was earlier today, I thought I'd be lucky to make it 30. <laughs> so well done me. Anyway, let's take a quick sip of water. And this will be, be on the podcast version where I put the adverts. So enjoy those. If you're, if you're listening live, yeah, you get to skip them. But instead you get to hear me sip water because I didn't mute my mic. <laughs> no, well done. Right, I'll go down in like, I guess, biggest down to... Uh, pre-show. So Pack versus Hangman Adam Page. Uh, Pack enters this match with a two victories, zero losses, and one draw. 
and on page with three wins and two draws. It's a... Uh, I'm not really sure, really. Because <laughs> I feel like Pack is building up really steadily to uh, getting a championship match, because that seems his main goal, and he's getting really pissed off whenever he can't really go in that direction or something holds him back. Hammond and Page seems to be... Like, he knows he's on the verge of becoming someone who could truly challenge the rest of those other main event stars, but he's not quite there. Like, he's hanging with Kenny Omega, John Moxley and Pac, but he's not quite there, and I expect him to lose. That is my immediate thought. Like, yes, he, he did he have a match with Chris Jericho. He didn't win. So that's what I'm expecting with Pac. Like, Pac versus Jericho could be the next championship match. Like, the next thing for AW to test with their kind of theory of they're not really yes there are like heel and face dynamics but at the end but they can all kind of go against each other it's not a clear divide of heels and faces and they're the only matches you do the next test of of that for me for that kind of new way of booking or different way of booking is to have Pac versus Jericho I feel like that's the next one so in my head because that's the way I'm thinking they'll go next that is why I'm going with Pac to win this one Hangman Adam Page, I feel like he needs a few losses. Quite a few people are predicting a heel turn for Adam Page. Like, he just struggles and struggles, and that mental weight is on him. He's not really hanging out with the elite. They're painting that story on being the elite. He's not really quite right in the frame of mind that he can tell something's wrong. I feel like that could lead to a heel turn. Or Or it could be similar to Kenny Omega, where it's just a mental struggle that he needs to overcome, and over time he will. I don't know which story they're telling. With Kenny Omega, it feels more like it's the mental struggle he will overcome. Hangman and Page, there could be a different twist. Especially because he's young, they can do the young, impressionable mind thing. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> like the mind trick. Look into my eyes. Look into my eyes. <laughs> you under. But yeah, a little Britain reference. <laughs> In 2019. Oh, that's not a show you should... No, that's no, not a show that would ever make it to air nowadays. <laughs> Extremely offensive to like every kind of person. Uh, but yeah, this match I feel like it might elevate Adam Page in another like he gets a pay per view match where he looks fantastic. Like he's been great since they've gone to television. Like he's really stepped up. Adam Page has been fantastic, even though his character hasn't been winning and still feels like it's struggling to break into that main event place where he seems to be destined for. Uh, Pack, I feel, I feel like it's that ceiling hitting again. Hangman Adam Page is trying to break into that main event scene. Again, he's destined for it. Pack is already in that scene, and he's proving that Page is not quite ready for it. Uh, just to continue to build up Pack, make him the megastar that he should have been elsewhere. Like, he's not a guy where, for me, he's like, oh, he's, he wasn't even on the main roster, he wasn't even getting a push in WWE. Oh, the important megastar here. Uh, like, for me, he proved himself in WWE. And the fact he didn't get that next elevation was like, like kind of unbelievable. Not unbelievable because he could see it happening, but he grabbed the hell of that brass ring and then nothing. Like they had no plans to put, elevate him or anything. So, yeah. Obviously, we don't know how big of a fit he threw backstage, but we never saw him again after the after we laid down for Enzo or after he beat up. And it was during the Enzo stuff. <laughs> I never. I can't. I can't remember when exactly we never saw him again. But yeah, he should have been elevated to Monday Night Raw. Like we've seen with Ali and Cedric Alexander and Buddy Murphy afterwards. Like, Neville should have been the first one because he absolutely nailed his new heel character. He was fantastic. 
he he showed that really he deserved to be tested at that next level, be it US Championship or whatever. Was never given that opportunity. AEW are giving him that opportunity, and he's nailing it. He feels like a main event star, and it's yeah, it's again, it's potential that for some reason was never allowed to go past a certain level. Whilst AEW's like, no, we're like we'll, we'll give you an opportunity to see if you can properly do that, and he's got the hell out of it. So yeah, good for Pack. <laughs> he feels like a main event guy. And again, I was just talking about how it would make sense for me to t- for them to test heel versus heel as the next world championship match. I mean, why not? Pack has shown awesomeness. <laughs> so why not go to the next stage? Now, plus you've got Pack versus John Moxley for pay per view saved as well, given the television match ended in that one. So it ended in a, a time limit draw because TV time ran out. Therefore, it's like, oh, these two are so good that they couldn't beat each other on television. Therefore, you're going to have to tune in on pay-per-view where there's more time to see this match actually be settled. Yeah. But a style of build, which is not fantastic, brand new, out of nowhere. It's like, no, it's used in the past. It's just not been used for such a long time that it feels fresh. So, the AW's got a lot of that. A lot of stuff which isn't actually like, thought up 100% by them, completely original. If Especially if you go back. But because it's not been used for so long, it feels fresh and new. So, yeah, what's old is new again, I think it's the saying. And P- uh, Paige isn't winning. <laughs> so back, I feel like I'm going quite a non-elite heavy kind of victory route. But I feel like they are telling that story, that the elite feel the pressure that they have got to perform, that they are the reason AW exists. But they are feeling that pressure. And the other forces within AW are currently getting the better of them during these first few months. That they'll get, come out eventually, and they'll eventually be on top. But it makes sense, especially with the long-term story. Like you don't have your hero on top at the beginning of like twenty minutes into the film, like thirty minutes in. Like if he is continuously on top, what are you building to? <laughs> so, especially as AW again, they are talking about how they do want to tell stories of. In much more in depth over much longer periods of time. To do that, they have to break the heroes down before you build them back up. It's a widely used narrative thing. It's not mental. We just haven't really seen it that much in the like popular wrestling television landscape. Again, it's another one of those things. Just it's not unheard of. We just haven't seen it properly for a while. So yeah, that's what it's, that's what I'm thinking they're doing. They're breaking down their heroes to then lift them back up. Because again, all elite wrestling exists because of the elite. So it makes sense for them to be the main heroes. But first, to build up the villain, you've got to break down the hero. So that's what they're doing. And Hammond Adam Page is the one hero who could cross that line. And he could break and switch to the uh, dark side. So, But Pac's winning. <laughs> so long live the bastard. Uh, and down goes monetization. Right, next up. Pride and Prejudice, <laughs> Santana and Ortiz versus the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson. Uh, Santana and Ortiz with a 1-0 and zero, uh, tag team record. They beat some jobbers. Uh, well, the bold lad, purple shorts, I think it was. Uh, versus the Young Bucks have a 3-2 and two tag team record. That is only 2-on-2. Two two. I've not included uh, six-man tag matches or whatever. Uh, yeah, because it's the match they're in. I want to say the inner circle will continue to get built here. Because that's what I'm expecting this to be. It's called Full Gear, which is like a handman page thing. So it's kind of linked to the Elite in that way. It's the Elite's first pay-per-view. Like AW's very first pay-per-view since going to television. So this is quite a big moment. It's just, it's just to see how everything goes. I still feel like the Elite themselves are 
go, going to continue to be broken down and they build the inner circle. So Tano Ortiz, they feel like they need that like next win against truly credible opponents that the Young Bucks are in this really heated match. Uh, the Young Bucks as well, though, they were beaten by Private Party because, of course, the, the focus on the inner circle... Or is a bit like they, they weren't in the match, and they yeah they lost because of it. Whilst here they are, I, I don't know. It's going to be a heated brawl. It's a completely different situation, but a heated brawl I would think would be Santana and Ortiz's world, and Young Bucks might not win because of it. But the Young Bucks, if any match is going to go to the elite, I feel like it might be this one. Because in terms of like long term building the world, Young Bucks have kind of been broken down because they got kicked out of the tournament. But they are. This is the one match which won't massively swing momentum, really. Especially if it's a massive brawl, both teams come out looking amazing. Like, Young Bucks could pick up a surprise quick win or something. Or, well, I don't know. I'm going with, I'm going to go with Santana Ortiz. Because they debuted at All Out and they made the like insane appearance that shocked everybody. Uh, the inner circle is properly formed and they're still being built. And Santana Ortiz have only had one match, one tag team match where they won. Of course. With the ones for Chris Jericho, there's also one. But this would be their kind of crowning arrival. Really, that's, that's my best way to describe Full Gear. The way I'm predicting it is it's going to be uh, the Inner Circle's like proper arrival. Like This cements them as a force in AW. So that means a full streak of losses for the Elite. <laughs> so again, the Young Bucks lose to Santana Ortiz. I wobbled a bit on that one, because this is the one where, in terms of like the momentum of both groups... It's the one which would shift things the least. But still, a full, clean sweep of wins for the Inner Circle. That's what I'm going with. And lots and lots of bubbly. And we're going to get awesome video packages and things. <laughs> totally worth tuning in to the press conference afterwards. Which I won't remember about. Because I'll be so tired. <laughs> I'm ready to go on LEB Radio. So, yeah. Right, next up. The... Ma- oh, I don't know where this will fall in the card, actually. I was going to say the opening match where you start with a decent match and you build and build, but they could go with a tag team match and this could be slightly after. Uh, I don't like third. AW have built a reputation of the third match being something like this, where it's not one where you're like absolutely amazingly hyped for, but it'll be solid. It'll be, it'll be fine. Uh, Joe Janela versus Sean Spears, who will be accompanied by Tully Blanchard. Both men have a record of one win and two losses. Uh, Joe Janela kind of trying to prove that he isn't just this hardcore guy. He can go in the ring as well. Like he is a fantastic professional. We- re- I can't really say it. He is a fantastic professional wrestler with gorgeous hair. Sean Spears. Uh, I loved MJF's commentary on AW Dark this week. <laughs> just taking the piss out like Sean Spears' mohawk of just like how crap it looks. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. If you haven't, what AW Dark with MJF was priceless. <laughs> it was absolutely brilliant. And I'm saying that as a Britishman, of which he did take the piss out of. An amazing line. <laughs> Just saying, oh, I can't remember which wrestler it was. One of the British wrestlers wore a mouth guard. I was like, oh, yes, really, really good, really good that one. Yeah, a really good tactic that. It's like, no one wants to be seeing those teeth. Putting the mouth guard in, yeah, totally with that. <laughs> like, that was that was hilarious. But uh, Sean Spears is he's a weird one. Like, I'm a, I expect Sean Spears to win this one. And it's uh, Joe Janela trying to prove he's, professional, he's a fantastic wrestler. And I feel like his arc is going to be, he does prove it in what he does, but he doesn't win. Like, he doesn't actually get the win at the end of the match, or maybe he does lose to distraction from Tully or something. Because Sean Spears feels like he could be a guy... 
I guess, mid to upper card. Like, not somebody who's ever going to win the World Championship, but he can threaten those wrestlers. Like, he could well and truly beat them, but he's never going to be World Champion. Like, that's the kind of area I could see his character being in, mostly because he's got the guidance from Tully Blanchard. Like, it's that pairing rather than just him. Uh, this match could be to build him back up. Because since he lost to Cody, it made sense in a way that that shook him. And on television, he's not really... He's not really felt like he should be in that main event scene against those guys. Like he feels less than. Like Cody beat him, which wasn't, which obviously felt like the right result. It just means instead of Sean Spears' character, he's dropped right down. And they've been slowly kind of building him, but then he's also not been super impressive as well. So this match could either be an effort to truly build up Sean Spears. Or it's the first time you see Joe Janela like really succeed as a professional wrestler that isn't doing hardcore stuff in AEW. I don't know which way they'll go, actually. I said Sean Spears, but I've booked enough heels to win that maybe this is the babyface win. Oh. Uh, that, that For me, the pre-show is very... I'm very, very strongly going with the babyface win. But, oh. <laughs> I was so certain that Sean Spears and Tully... Uh, but AEW are doing a very strong job well, the very kind of they've picked a path for wrestlers and they're kind of sticking with it. Like Sean Spears is, he's got all that the thing they're painting. He's got all the talent in the world, but he's it's just not quite coming together, and he's still losing. That could be the story they tell here, or they could tell the story of Joe Nella, Joe Janella that he's trying to prove he's a professional wrestler more than hardcore. He's just not winning. That could happen here as well. I really don't. Know. I'll go with Sean, go with my gut. <laughs> go with my first one. I'll go with the heel again. It's a very heavy, heel-heavy card for me. Oh, yeah, Sean Spears wins, uh, but Joe Janela proves his worth as a professional wrestler. And it's Sean Spears who's, who uses the dirty tactics. Uh, Joe Janela fought an honourable fight, but Sean Spears was a dick. <laughs> That's the end of that. Uh, and finally, the pre-show. Uh, Britt Baker versus B Priestley. For me, this is solidly going to be Britt Baker's win. She, the, she is the one women's wrestler which is just like she's a pencil in for being that next that's not a saying is it a pencil in <laughs> she's already there in the brackets she's on, she's next on the ladder to be the challenger for Rio and they have built it pretty damn well it's just that she has to deal with B Priestley first like Priestley is the reason that Baker did not win that Casino Battle Royal it's why like why Nyla Rose went on to face Riho at All Out instead of Britt Baker was it no it was on um, television wasn't it completely forgot about that because yeah the Casino Battle Royale was at All Out so yes <laughs> a little bit of a brain fart there uh, but yeah Britt Baker from, she's going to continue to get built up and I feel like she is a she's uh, is it, what's the saying is it a writing <laughs> I don't know why I can't remember the saying uh, she's definitely going to be either the next challenger or the subsequent one Like her time isn't that far away and B3C is really the one hurdle she needs to get over first which is why I'm predicting her to win also I think AEW don't have B3C for that long I think like correct me if I'm wrong I thought she might be like going back to Japan and stardom for a longer period like come November which it is now obviously so I th- in my head I think that like she's doing this match and then going to stardom for a longer tenure. I think. <laughs> that could be completely wrong. Uh, she served her purpose in a way. Like a mini story, a hurdle for Britt Baker to get over. Britt Baker does that, then she can challenge for the championship. 
then you can show her slightly more heelish side because she's so desperate to win. But Rio is uh, like the underdog wrestler that's just pulling out wins, like he's <laughs> putting amazing performances, and that can maybe piss off Britt Baker, slow heel turn kind of thing. Yeah, but she gets over B Peasley purely because she's going to be the next challenger. That's what I'm expecting. I think <laughs> I've got less certain with these ones where they aren't championships on the line because they could do something to swing. Because obviously, I don't know where the next part of the story is. I can only use what they've given me, and what they've given me, I can kind of see where arcs might be going. But a pay per view can be used as like just that's where you change lanes, move on to that next point. You can you can change the gear of the car. I just realised uh, my predominantly American audience don't not most of them don't drive stick. I'm assuming learn learns. St- I don't really know. <laughs> Obviously, over in the UK, the standard is to learn with the gears, everything. So we all know that. I get off another tangent. <laughs> Absolutely another tangent. But yeah, I pay for you can change gears so you can shift into that something completely different for like after the after the pay for you. You can use it to propel something or to kind of change lanes completely. I don't know. But from what I can tell, they're my predictions. I'll just go through them again, just so I definitely know. So, I've got John Moxley to beat Omega in the unsanctioned match. Uh, Chris Jericho to beat Cody Rhodes. Uh, SoCal Uncensored to retain. Pac to beat Hamman. Santana Ortiz to beat the Young Bucks. Uh, Riho to retain. Sean Spears to beat, get a cheeky win over Joe Janela. And Britt Baker overcome B Priestley so that she can then... She's got over that hurdle. She can finally challenge for the title. And lose. <laughs> so that's for the next pay-per-view or whenever I do one of these again. So, yeah, I've not done a proper preview for quite some time. Like I did do, I did a thing where I called worst case scenarios or best worst case scenarios with um, Ash from the Wrestling Shorts channel. And uh, where we purposely try and book the show as badly as possible. But then WWE entered that era where like, I couldn't have done things worse so there's no point in me doing it. <laughs> so that died a death. But that was the last kind of predictions type of show I did so this is a return to a world I don't normally dive in hence my uh, I don't know I'll go with that <laughs> uh, right so you can probably tell my brain is turning off I'm going to bed also whilst I look at my picture I've made for this show I can see that I've slightly gone over the bottom of the full gear so you can see John Moxley's neck underneath it a little bit. That's a bit irritating. And as well, the opacity of the lines isn't quite right so it looks really weird and stuck together like it's line plasters. <laughs> it's just, most people don't give a crap. But yeah, I'm looking at it going, oh, improvement for next time. <laughs> I'll take that. The fact I care, I'll take that as an optimistic point. Anyway, all right, I'm going to sign off now and go to Ben and figure out how to get this theme to play at the end. Uh, thank you for listening to this whole one hour, ten minutes. Uh, if you're wondering why we're doing like these like, massive shows on LAP Radio, I say massive, you know what I mean, like long shows on LAP Radio uh, on YouTube, uh, the, we've got to break, I think, 4,000 hours to get the site monetized. Oh, I can't bloody speak anymore. <laughs> Good thing I'm ending the show now. Uh, we've got to get to 4,000 watched hours on YouTube before we can get monetized. So, live shows, like this live show so far has knocked out, uh, it's over 200 hours by itself, as in the these live shows are done each Thursday, so that is brilliant. That powers us towards that, <laughs> which is fantastic to see. Uh, so, please, if you uh, do want to help us out, just watch them, just in, like, like, it doesn't really matter if you like or dislike or whatever, just engagement, mostly it's watching and the hours to get that up so we can get monetized. 
the plan is like longer term as well, make higher quality like actual edited videos rather than just speaking over a picture. And the plan for speaking over a picture to actually get an image, like a moving image for you to actually, you know, connect with and care about, like a face, not just a cartoon face. Uh, but we're working on that to hopefully. It, it takes money and investment and time. I don't know. Time's the difficult one. <laughs> no idea when I'm going to fit in proper like recording sessions and then editing sessions, writing sessions for the YouTube thing. I've given it a wee go, but it's not. Yeah, <laughs> just to put it lightly. Uh, anyway. Time to sign off for this show as I get up my notes for all the sh- crap I've got to plug. Uh, anyway, I am back next Thursday on LMP Radio here on either Spreaker, whatever, all your pa- podcasty places like iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, whatever, a googly thing. <laughs> We're on all of them. Yeah, so all your podcast places. Uh, also, uh, uh, I should be back on YouTube as well, live, I think this time, if not a little bit later, maybe, I'm not so sure, because I've got a guest. Uh, next Thursday on LP Radio, I'll be joined by Jeremy Donovan of Keeping It Strong Style Podcast to talk about New Japan Wrestling, New, J- New Japan Pro Wrestling, as we have just come past uh, Power Struggle and we're t- gearing towards uh, Wrestle Kingdom. Gear's the only way to come to my head because of AEW, so thanks for that, Cody. <laughs> or whoever. Oh, Hangman, thanks for that, Adam, with the full gear stuff. But yeah, so next week I'll be joined by Jeremy Donovan of The Kiss Boys uh, to talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling in this quite interesting period. Uh, where we know the matches, but we haven't entirely seen all of the build. So, quite exciting going forward. Uh, so, that'll be next Thursday here on LOP Radio. Uh, but please do check out the other LOP Radio shows. Uh, live after AW, we do have uh, Dynamite After Dark with Jamal and Jeff. That went up on YouTube earlier today. By the way, that's me that does all those. So, again, it's whenever I've got time. Uh, Sports Entertainment is Dead should be going up tomorrow. Fingers crossed. I think I've got the video done. <laughs> it does. There's a lot going on. I've got like a 5,000 word column to post by Sunday as well. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, speaking of, uh, Fridays is Mav Planamaza with the right side of the pond. They're currently doing a series debunking the myth that the new gen isn't that great. Going through pay-per-view by pay-per-view. Which is highly recommended watching. The reason I've not put it up on YouTube is I feel like it. the quality is high, so high that I want to do like a proper video, uh, a podcast video thing for it just because it, I rate it so highly, so um, I want to do something special for it. Uh, Saturday, we have got AEW Full Gear Aftershock, which will be taking place live after Full Gear, which is definitely me and Jaman, and I think Jeff from uh, Dynamite After Dark and Kingdom of Honor will also be joining us. So a three-way Full Gear dance, huzzah. Uh, Monday, you've got Kingdom of Honor, with Jaman and Jeff talking about like MLW, Ring of Honor, New Japan, whatever. Uh, Tuesday's Global Revolution is currently on hiatus, but their back catalogue exists. So does the WCW Legacy Series and WWF Legacy Series. Just search it up on like Blog Talk Radio and Spreaker, it's all there. Uh, Wednesday's is planned Sports Entertainment is Dead uh, on the podcast version, and I'm trying to get it up by Friday on YouTube. And now I can go to bed. Huzzah! <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah, so obviously I'll be back on Saturday at a super late time where I won't be able to go to bed for quite a while. But at least when I'm live, I'll be able to stop and take a drink to be two other people. <laughs> so I've got that going for me. Uh, I think I'm going to want to try and stream on YouTube to get that to get those numbers up. And I'm assuming, assuming the engagement immediately after a pay-per-view is going to be miles better than just me randomly on a Thursday where people are kind of done with the week now. They're ready just to move on to the next thing. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, anyway, full gear. What are you expecting? Do you think John Motsi will destroy Kenny Omega? Do you think Cody Rhodes is going to definitely lose to Jericho? 
or have things been introduced just because they are obviously going to use those things? Like, obviously, him saying if he loses, he'll never challenge again. Does that guarantee his win? Will those judges definitely be used? Who knows? <laughs> uh, anyway, thank you for listening. I'll be back next week. With that, I bid you adieu. Adios. And adios to the YouTube, uh, to the podcast. Adios. Ten.